What's up, Claim of Stories family? For the next couple of episodes, we've partnered with our friends at Feast Portland to share stories about creatives and entrepreneurs in the food and beverage industry. The Claim of Stories Feast Portland edition comes to you from Portland, a city that's rooted in an expressive, creative, and unfiltered spirit. It's America's culinary epicenter, filled with food carts, award-winning restaurants, and easy access to the outdoors. Come see for yourself. Plan your visit today at TravelPortland.com. Learn more about Feast Portland at FeastPortland.com. McCollum Heritage is 91. Like, where's the name come from? Where's that brand come from? Yeah. So I'm big on lineage. I'm big on legacy. I'm big on, you know, trying to create something that I can pass down to my kids and share with my family and, and people that would normally be exposed to wine like myself. Yeah. So I, I put my name on it to kind of make the presence felt, obviously, like this is... Excuse my language, this is my shit. You're behind you know it, yeah. <laughs> so put my name on it in, in, in that manner, and then you know the heritage is is, is huge. You yeah. know, where I come from, what I come from, what I've been over to been able to overcome to get to this mm. point. I thought that was extremely important in my story, and I actually grew up on Heritage Avenue, so it just kind of made sense to go McCollum Heritage, and then I was born in '91. I like it. So there was it was like my wife was born in '91, I'm born in '91. So we had some issues, like putting 91 <laughs> on a bottle that's not a 91. But <laughs> then it was like, you got to put McCullum Heritage 91, 2018. Like, so, so people know, like, you're not yeah. drinking a 91. It's a part of the name. But I think it just made sense for me. It made sense for, for the brand. And I think it's, it's stuck ever since. This is Claim of Stories, a show about leading and emerging BIPOC creatives and how they were able to claim their dream careers. Tell me where you want to go, where you want to be. I'm Bima, and on today's show, recorded live at Claim of Stories Feast Portland Edition, I chat with entrepreneur, wine lover, and a Portland Trailblazers, CJ McCullum, about his venture into wine and creating McCullum Heritage 91. As he would admit himself, CJ didn't grow up with a love of wine. It wasn't until his girlfriend, now wife, introduced him to her Merlot, which he said wasn't that great. But over time, his palate matured, as did his choices in quality. After CJ was drafted to the Portland Trailblazers in 2013, it was hard for him not to gravitate towards wine given the area. Aware that being a black man in Portland is rare, and being a black man in wine is even rarer, McCollum is making space in the wine world and making wine education more accessible for everyone. In our conversation ahead, CJ shares a story recalling how his relationship with his wife fostered his passion for wine. It all started with my wife, uh, my now wife. Uh, at least we met in college, and yeah. she introduced me to a very poor Merlot. Um, very poor, <laughs> substandard. I wouldn't drink it today, but um, <laughs> no. I mean, we were young. You yeah. know what I mean? We were, you know, transitioning from from college to to adulthood. To adults, yeah. And I didn't really like it. I'm not gonna lie. I was more of a lemonade guy, you know, <laughs> hard liquor, things of that nature. And as I pursued her, I, I started pursuing wine and learning wine. more about wine. And um, once I got to Portland, I got drafted by the Portland Trailblazers in 2013. I'll never forget. I went to ringside after a game, and one of the uh, wines of the day, so to speak, it was a a 2012 Walter Scott um, volcanic soil, 
and the rest is history. And I've been wow. chasing that ever since. You know that? <laughs> that, that was that so taste, specific. I was like, this is, you, know, you go from the Merlot, you know, don't know where it was, where it came from, but it wasn't <laughs> yeah. very good. It was, it was very bland. <laughs> Not a lot of great notes, but it was the gateway. It was my gateway it was drug. Gateway. It was my yeah. gateway drug because then I was able to find, you know, wines that I would drink today, mm. you know, from volcanic soil to the other types of soils that exist. But I'm personally a volcanic soil lover. Okay. So I've always chased those notes as I chase my wife. <laughs> as you chase your wife. <laughs> what, so, so tell me more about this volcanic soil. Like, what is that? Like, what's... Why is that your thing? And like, where can we, like, where is that usually found? I don't know why it's my thing, honestly. <laughs> like, but everything, you know, from, from that, that point in time, you know, 2013 at ringside to now, everything's kind of just falling into place that way. My mm-hmm. first blind tasting that I did with Adelsheim, I sat, um, I sat there and I, I did a blind tasting and they basically said, put what you like to the right, but what you don't like to the left. Mm-hmm. And, Needless to say, on accident, I put three volcanic soils to the right, and that's what I end up making in my first blend of my 18 McCollum Harris 91. But I think it's just how smooth it is. It's mm. hints of cherry. It's just, yeah. you know, I get excited. Like, <laughs> it's just like, you know how when you find your thing, like whatever that yeah. is, whatever that thing is, when you kind of like find it, oh yeah, it just makes you happy, makes you excited. It's, it's easy on the palate. It goes well with food personally. And, you know, as I always say, after two, you know, they all taste the same, but <laughs> <laughs> it goes well with food. It goes well without food. You can have it, you know, with friends. You can have it with family. You can have it in celebratory fashion. And mm-hmm. it's just a, it's just a smooth wine. It's the type of wine that, you know, my mom's a big white wine lover. She likes it sweet. It's a wine that she would drink. You know yeah. what I mean? She's like, oh, this isn't bad. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? My grandma would try and say, this isn't bad. You know yeah. what I mean? And they're like, got to be super sweet, <laughs> or they don't want it. They don't want it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, see, I love that origin story. I also love the connection to your partner. That's 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 really dope. Um, tell me the story behind the brand, right? So, right. McCollum Heritage is ninety one. Like, where's the name come from? Where's that brand come from? Yeah. So I'm big on lineage. I'm big on legacy. I'm big on you know trying to create something that I can pass down to my kids and share with my family and, and people that would normally be exposed to wine like myself. Yeah. So I, I put my name on it to kind of make the presence felt. Obviously, mm-hmm. like this is. Excuse my language, just my behind shit, you know it, yeah. <laughs> so put my name on it in, in in that manner, and then you know the heritage is 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 huge. You yeah. know where I come from, what I come from, what I've been over to been able to overcome to get to mm-hmm. this point. I thought that was extremely important in my story, and I actually grew up on Heritage Avenue, hmm. so it just kind of made sense to go McCollum Heritage, and then I was born in '91. I like it. So there was it was like my wife was born in '91, I'm born in '91. So we had some issues, like putting 91 <laughs> on the bottle. That's not a 91. But <laughs> then it was like, you got to put McCullum Heritage 91, 2018. Like, so, so people know, like, you're not yeah. drinking a 91. 91. It's a part of the name. But yeah. I think it just made sense for me. It made sense for, for the brand. And I think it's, it's stuck ever since. Yeah. No, it's funny when you think about, you know, branding and things like that. Stuff like that comes up. And you're like, but I want 91 on the bottle. Right. <laughs> exactly. You got to roll with it. <laughs> Tell me about um, your involvement in the wine business, right? Like you, you obviously have a passion for it. You have a story that's connected to it. You have this beautiful brand story that you're you're bringing to life. How do you get involved in that day to day? Well, I got a lot of help, <laughs> which is extremely important. Good help. Ashley does a lot of the work behind the scenes. I think Gina, our winemaker, does a lot of work behind the scenes. Everybody at Adelsheim is extremely helpful. And then, you know, what you can't do, 
You mm. hire out. You find yes. people who <laughs> can kind of deliver your vision and kind of keep you up to date as the process goes. But I'm involved in, you know, all steps of the process, trying mm. to trying to design a wine I probably shouldn't speak on right now, right now as we speak, trying to design the bottle and trying to figure out, you know, what we want to do with that. And it's just a, it's a, it's an everlasting process. Mm. And like, this isn't like, I have a, you know, my real job that allows me to spend money on this type of project. <laughs> that I have to, like, that's a real job too, but like, I had to be able to kind of build you know, my, my day-to-day job as I'm trying to, you know, finesse my, my business on the side. And it, it just takes a lot of help and a lot of people who are willing to, you know, do some of the do dirty that. work. And then I step in when I need to step in. How, was it hard for you to kind of let go in that way? Right? Because you, you, you think about it in the way I'm you st- describe it. holding on. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> you're very attached to it. So, you know, how do you, how do you get comfortable with allowing other people to come in and be a part of your vision? No, I think the best leaders are people who, let people be free. Let people do their job, do their role, whatever they're good at. You allow them to, to kind of thrive. And I think that makes a, a better work environment for everybody. And, you know, one day when I have my own situation, I think it's important you empower, you know, people around you. You know, yeah. there's a reason why they're they're in those specific roles. So um, I check in, I ask questions. And I think when you have success and whatever success means to you, uh, then you kind of understand like whatever you're doing is working like oh okay this is working let's continue to do this let's tweak you know some of these areas maybe I can be more responsive maybe I can get you answers faster um, maybe I can be more involved or less involved in certain <laughs> certain instances because I'm holding up the process <laughs> and then you figure out what success looks like from there and I think that's yeah. what you've that's what I've kind of done you know I had the 18 come out I've had the the rosé mm-hmm. I've had the chardonnay through the one barrel challenge and I'm Another Pinot that'll be coming out, which is, I think everybody drinks some today, which will come out, you know, in the best month of the, of the year, September. Huh. Hey, <laughs> say it again. <laughs> the best month of the year is September. Uh, the best day is the 19th, to be specific, for anyone that I was think it's wondering. it's the 29th. Oh, the 20th. It's a nine. It's a nine. It's a nine. It's, it's cool. a nine. It's cool. Um, you know, I, I think also when we think about the gravity of you having your own wine brand is, you know, you're really breaking ground as a, you know, a black NBA player starting your own wine. Um, what experience, what's, how, what has that been like, you know, as you think about yourself identifying as a, as a black man in this space in Oregon, what do you think about that? For one, a black man in Oregon is semi-rare, so, <laughs> <laughs> so to be in that space kind of makes it even even more rare, and I think <laughs> I'm just keeping it real. I, I know, I know. I think, I'm sorry. <laughs> and I think it's just been it's been a really cool experience for me going to so many different vineyards, uh, being able to experience tastings, being able to go to restaurants, and um, I think there's this perceived notion of like you know how you're viewed, and then they meet you, and they're like, oh, okay, so you, you kind of do know about wine, <laughs> you know what I mean? So like you go through that, which is you know it's fair because I play basketball, right? Yeah. So like you don't know what to expect, and then you meet some of my. Um, my teammates, some of my friends, uh, some people who maneuver the wine space, like Melo, who has like a completely different understanding yeah. of wine because he's like 36 <laughs> and he's been drinking for like six more years than me. No, I didn't mean like that. I didn't mean like that. I mean, he's got like six more years of like drinking, of drinking wine and like yeah. traveling Burgundy. Like he's been he's been able to do that for six more years. So like his his understanding is a little bit better. But it's been a really unique, cool experience because now. Kids see me, college yeah. college athletes see me, NBA players see me, other people who who may have been interested in wine before and like, nah, I ain't messing with it. Now they're like, well, if yeah, CJ yeah. can do it, maybe I can experience something like that too. And then they can ask me for advice or mm-hmm. questions and I can steer them in the right direction as opposed to telling them like, stay away from it. I'm like, no, jump in. Yeah. Like get in. Are you, And so are you getting a lot of like 
young kids, young cats reaching out, like, yeah. tell me about 20, this wine. 21, thing. of course. Okay, all yeah, over, yeah, of course. <laughs> all over the age of 21. But, but yeah, a lot of a lot of young NBA players, right? Because when you first get into the league, you're coming out of college, and generally, like, you focus on your academics, you focus mm -hmm. on your athletics, and then, like, you went to college-type parties. Yeah. So they're generally curious because they have players on their team who are drinking wine. Like, mm -hmm. I drink wine. I, I carry it. I travel with it. So once, like, a player on my team turns 21, like, they find, like, yeah, CJ, like, I can drink with you. <laughs> Believe it or not, there's a lot of guys that aren't 21 in the NBA. So you got to wait. And I think it's just cool to kind of see the transformation of, like, how I came into the league, what I knew about wine then compared to what I know now, and then trying to pass down that knowledge to the younger mm -hmm. guys. And then you got older guys in the league, too, who are just curious, like, how did you mm. do it? Yeah. Like, what was the process like? Would you advise me doing something like this? Like, mm. if I were to take the same route, what would you do d differently? Like, just picking my brain, asking me questions, and then I'm like, well, no, tell me about Burgundy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'll help you. Uh, help you, you tell me about yeah. some wines that I don't really know about. And, and it's kind of like a fair trade. Yeah. When we come back, CJ winds down in the NBA bubble and decides to share his vision for wine with the world. For this week's Community Stories feature, presented by 99designs by Vistaprint, let's hear from Francesca Cheney, owner of Soul Sips, a plant-based restaurant based in Brooklyn, New York. With a desire to be a staple in the community while refreshing their brand identity, Francesca shares a story about starting her own juice company, adding plant-based foods, and packaged goods to her restaurant. My name is Francesca Cheney, and I am a tastemaker and restaurateur at Soul Sips. Solsets is a plant-based restaurant and packaging company. We started in 2015 as a bottled juice company where we sold our herbal coffees and our fresh pressed juices and handmade almond milks, Brazil nut milk, walnut milk, you name it. Um, we popped up all over around Brooklyn and we started at my cousin's apothecary in Crown Heights. Over the time, people gave us good feedback and the feedback that we received encouraged us to keep going. And from there, in 2017, we got the opportunity to do more of a semi-permanent pop-up for three months. And in those three months, we also added food to our business model because the space we were popping up in had a 50 square foot kitchen that allowed us to make food. And when the three months of our pop-up was over, so many people that were in the neighborhood begged us to stay. And they said, we're gonna make sure that you guys stay here permanently. And that's exactly what happened because December is gonna make it four years since we first started Soul Sips in a brick and mortar form. After crowdfunding, we were able to stay permanently in the location, turn it over, and that was, that the rest is pretty much history. Soul Sips has been a staple in the community. We do sliding scale brunches. Um, we also focus on making our food relatable through the flavors and the spices. Um, it's very much your feel-good food that doesn't feel super vegan. And through the process of sustaining Soul Sips, we made it through our first year of COVID. COVID was intense because 
One of my favorite parts about this experience and running Soul Sips is being able to peek my head out of the kitchen and see people enjoying the food and seeing their reaction. So not being able to do that and operating as takeout and delivery with the exception of outdoor dining was very new. It was a big adjustment. However, there is a silver lining of opportunity and that's what we saw and that's what we made space for. And that's how our meal kit program came about. This meal kit program, it turned out to be such a beacon of light because people received that well. And now we're here and we are fortunate to be able to continue this new arm of the business, which um, we're now open Wednesday through Saturday as a regular restaurant. And on Mondays and Tuesdays, we reserve those days for packaging and shipping our meal kits. I am most looking forward to growing our meal kit program. I look forward to seeing it all over the U.S. and I want to see the trucks everywhere like similar to Fresh Direct and I want to see it be a top tier plant-based food delivery service. The process of working with 99designs has been very seamless. It was something that um, allowed me to also be creative as well in expressing what I wanted our logo refresher to look like. Uh, ultimately, we chose a logo that was minimal and more mature. I wanted people to see this logo and say, okay, it's plant-based food, it's wholesome, it's quality, it's feel good. And that's what the logo we selected feels like. I'm also very happy that I was able to include my team and my family in the process of voting. That to me was a cool addition to this process that engaged me even more because I love being able to share what I'm working on with the people that I love. I plan on using the money for growing our packaging arm of the business. What that means for me is meal kit boxes that are branded with our logos on them, the packaging when you open up the box, even the talker that comes out of the box explaining to people what they're about to eat and how it was cooked and how this program came about. Um, I'm looking forward to fully developing our, our meal kit program and our packaging line with this funding that we've recently received. That was Francesca Cheney, owner of Soul Sips, a plant-based restaurant based in Brooklyn, New York. Learn more about 99 Days of Design, a 99 Designs by Vistaprint initiative at 99designs.com slash 99 Days of Design. Hey, it's Bima. Welcome back to Claim of Stories. While in the NBA bubble, CJ leveraged the opportunity to get advice from NBA vets like D. Wade about his future plans as a wine entrepreneur. Uh, there's a lot of guys in the NBA who, who enjoy wine. And, and you look at our bubble experience, right? I had like 180 bottles shipped in. <laughs> crazy. <laughs> shipping, to the, shipping to the bubble. And I was passing out wine. You know, we had bubble days. We had Chardonnay days. We had Pinot lunches. <laughs> And Y'all play ball? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it helps. It helps. It's a stressful life. But, you know, you go through those experiences and then you kind of <laughs> kind of fast forward and we just ask each other so many questions. And like you talked about, there's no dumb question. Like, 
I didn't know how to say to roar, to roar, to roar, T-E-R-R-I-O-R, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. I didn't spell it, but like, yeah. there were so many things that I just wanted to learn about, and I wasn't afraid to ask questions, mm-hmm. and, and I thank D-Wade to this day, because not only did I follow him, you know, signing with Lee Ning, but I asked him, like, what is it like to have your own wine brand? Like, should I do it? And he could have told me no, and then I would have been like, mm. Mm. like I don't know if I want to no, do it. Do it, yeah. it was like, I think it's really cool that you're like, exploring these options, whatever, whatever, whatever. Like, these are things you should look for. If you're going to do it, make sure you have X, Y, Z. Hmm. And that was the type of advice that like it was helpful for me because if you tell me to do something, I'm going to go do exactly what you said and then try to make it better. Right. You know what I'm saying? And that's kind of how I approached it. And now when people ask me questions, I give them enough to like succeed. Yeah. But I don't give them everything. You can't give them everything. <laughs> you got to leave a little bit <laughs> in give the Give them journey. enough to succeed, <laughs> but not everything. See, I'm still competitive. <laughs> yeah. you, you shipped 180 bottles, Alan? Maybe more. <laughs> Maybe it probably was more. I mean, I gave away like over 180. I mean, it's a good group to send 180 bottles to. You know, where were you keeping these bottles? See, (laughs) yes. It wasn't to wine standards, but I kept the room dark. (laughs) Kept the room dark. It was a 65. I know some of it should be 57, 58, but like it was cool. It was cool. You know, you you decant it for a little (laughs) bit and then you put the bubbles on ice. And you and you got a nice little situation. So your room was the spot. <laughs> My room was the spot, but COVID friendly, COVID friendly. You know what I'm saying? Social, we socially distanced. A lot of our meetings were in the conference rooms and okay. by the pool because it's outdoors it's like up. this. And you can just have your glass. Lots of glass. <laughs> now, as as you've been getting you know, McCullum Heritage '91 going, um, I imagine it's not like just super easy and everything's great have you run into like any challenging hurdles that just stick in the back of your head i just had to roll with the punches it's kind of like getting injured or like missing Mm -hmm. a shot that's like important like it hurts but you learn from it and i think most of most of the issues we ran into is like quantity issues right it's like (laughs) People are mad they didn't get a chance to buy the wine. I'm like, ah, it's like a bad, good problem. I mean, you got like, demand. It's like, <laughs> like Jordans, they sold out. Like, I'm yeah, sorry. Like, sorry. <laughs> and then the, some of the other problems is just, you know, dragging feet on designs, which is like me, dragging my feet. Like, I don't know if I like that. I want this flower. <laughs> I want this color. Wait, why can't we change the top? And they're like, well, it's too late. You didn't order enough. And I'm like, ah. You know what I mean? Like, just a little, yeah, like, you know, as like a. That basketball player like we just adjust like last minute decision like charge block like you're I don't used know. to being on the court and being able to adjust in yeah the i just do what i want and like yeah. now it's like no you got to order this by this date and that's a seven months out and that's 10 i'm like why does it take 10 why months why does it take too much <laughs> why does <laughs> this sound so i so i used to work in footwear and create sneakers all day and uh one of my last gigs was with a musician and used to making digital product right so you can go in the studio and we can come back 10 minutes later and cj's got a new song (laughs) (laughs) but you'd get in production and be like i want to change that whole soul unit you're like why do you want to do that i don't like it anymore (laughs) but i i I get i get what you're saying like sometimes it's just intuitively it's not right and so you want to change it based on what you feel is right right now Right? Exactly. And I'm a moody person. So, like, my mood shifts. I mean, I'm a self proclaimed moody person, right? That tells you, like, I'm a realist. And I like what I like. And then the next day, like, I, I said that. <laughs> <laughs> I said I like that. Like, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and if it's like, if it's branded, like, like, I see you did a great job of branding. You want your brand to flourish, yeah. right? You want it to be the forefront of everything. And sometimes there's such a thing as too much. Yes. And I'm trying to find that balance. The balance. Right? Yeah, that makes sense. So 
we've, we've heard that you have this challenge with Heritage 91 um, around the one barrel challenge. Mm -hmm. Can you share a little bit for the audience? What is that challenge? Yeah, so long, long story short, <laughs> short story long. I don't know which one I'll tell. Um, they reached out and asked if I would be interested in, in specifically uh, basically donating a barrel of wine. For those of you that don't know, I didn't know either. A barrel of wine is 300 bottles. It took me a long time to figure that out. So 300 bottles you basically give away to charity. Um, the One Barrel Challenge this year uh, specifically focused on um, uh, Maurice Lucas, Maurice Lucas Foundation, and continuing mm -hmm. to figure out ways to empower you know people of color, uh, mm -hmm. specifically in the wine space and beyond. Like from an educational standpoint, obviously I work with kids. I do a lot in the community. And it was just like checking boxes on things that I would normally do and it made sense for me and it made sense for, for the for the brand and what we wanted to accomplish. The only problem was that they asked me to do a white wine and at the time <laughs> I didn't like white wine. <laughs> so so I literally was like, nah, I don't think this is gonna work for me. And they're like, well CJ, what do you mean? I was like, I can't do a Pinot. <laughs> You know, and this is like me just, you know, as a as a person who likes to put stuff out that they can believe in and yeah. speak to. It's like, I don't really drink white wine, so how can I make 300 bottles mm -hmm. of this wine and give it away and tell people to drink it right. like, if I don't even like it? So they were like, well, see if you can find something you like. So I, I did a six months of drinking white wine with almost every meal to kind of figure out, <laughs> A, if I'm going to like it, and then B, like, what types of white wine do I like and what do mm -hmm. I pair with it? And needless to say, I'm glad I did it because now I enjoy it. The right, the right Chardonnay. The right Chardonnay. The right Chardonnay. <laughs> they weren't all created equal. <laughs> well, what was the thing that was happening with the Chardonnay that you didn't like? I don't know if it was just bad experiences or if I just knew that in my head it wasn't red that I wasn't going to like it. You know, you psych yourself out. Yeah, for sure. So it was probably a combination of both. But then, you know, I went to the bubble. <laughs> J.J. Reddick, he's got some white wine. <laughs> Melo's got some white burgundy. And I was like, white burgundy? White burgundy? What, what is that? that? <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> Let me taste that. Ooh. And yeah. then next thing you know, I'm like, white burgundy. If it tastes <laughs> like white burgundy, I'm in. And then to try to like find that that taste. And it's hard to make it taste like white burgundy. But mm. if you if you have the the right juice and the right grapes, you can get okay. it done. It's white burgundy. Is that the I would highly recommend it for those of you out there that are listening <laughs> to this. I know you can speak to white burgundy. <laughs> All right, we're going to take you up on this, CJ. We're going to get some white burgundy. You should do it. And you should get some of my Chardonnay. I mean, of course. <laughs> what, like, when you think about kind of some of the decisions you've made um, in your career, right? Like, you've, I don't want to say unorthodox, but not necessarily what we see a lot of the, the big names do. Like, you're very much championing your own brand. Right, like right. you're 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 going this entrepreneurial route. What what gives you the courage to go this route versus you know you know signing contracts with bigger things for less leverage essentially? Right. I just try to be authentic to me. I think as I got older, as I had more experiences, as I got over like the jealousy phase of like comparing yourself, um, I think I just figured out how to be the best version of me. Like. What does that look like for for CJ McCollum, like hmm. Christian James? Like, what's the best version of you, and how do you maximize that? And and the things you do, the things you say, and how you move. And I think I check all those boxes. Like, I'm who I say I am. I do what I say I'm going to do, hmm. and I move accordingly. And I, I think I, I read it in a book. Like, comparisons a thief of joy. Once I stopped hmm. comparing myself to other people that came from Canton, other Lehigh grads, other NBA players, other other winemakers, 
other guys with shoes, it was just like life was just easy for me. And then mm. I, I'm at peace with every decision I make because I'm making it because it's what's best for me and my family, not because it's best for my agency or somebody else. It's like, it's, do what's best for you, see? And then it works. It works out. Yeah, yeah. it's what you want to do, right? And I think yeah. that's that's great advice because I feel like so much of us grow up and we're kind of like looking left and right, trying to see what someone else is doing. It's 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 beautiful where you can get to the place where you're at right now. It took a long time to get here. I ain't gonna lie to you. <laughs> <laughs> looking all around. <laughs> now you just run, you run your own race and you, you finish when you finish. Yeah, totally. Yeah. What? So as you think about kind of this journey that you're on and, and where you've been, for some of the players that we actually spoke about that might be reaching out to you and, mm -hmm. and folks that aren't players that want to get into the wine business, um, what advice would you have for them based on your experience? I would tell them, I think, one, educate yourself, right? Figure out what you don't know. Like, I'm very smart, but I also don't know a lot at the same time, right? So figure out what that is and then put yourself around people who do know mm -hmm. those things so they can teach you and ask as many questions as possible and understand that, like, I'm a very good jump shooter, right? But I still, <laughs> it's just facts. <laughs> it's facts. But, but I still miss shots all the time, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm a very good shooter, but, like, I get paid to miss more than I make. So, like, yeah. approach business the same way. You're probably going to miss more than you make, right? But those shots that you make, make them count. Yeah. And I think I've done that strategically with investing. I've done that strategically with the wine business. And like the next person that goes into this business, like she said it, you're gonna make some mistakes, right? Just make sure them shots that you hit is like in the fourth quarter. <laughs> just make sure that it like, make but them count. Cause you, you, might, you might go on a cold streak. That was CJ McCollum, NBA star and founder of McCollum Heritage 91. Find out more about CJ and get access to all of our episodes at Amazon Music. The Claim of Stories Feast Portland edition comes to you from Portland, the kind of place where new ideas are welcome and you can truly be yourself. A creative city that's committed to being a more vibrant, progressive, and inclusive place than ever. Come see for yourself. Plan your visit today at TravelPortland.com. Special thanks to Feast Portland and Oregon Contemporary for hosting this live podcast series. If you'd like to connect with us, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Claim of Stories. Our show this week is produced by BJ Fergozo, original music, production, and scoring by Adrian Anaya, and vocals provided by Priscilla. And special thanks also to BDOT, Professor H, Jordan Dinwiddie, Nick Pop, Lily Lynn, Nicole Early, Becky Mathai, and Amin L. Falele. I'm Bima, and you've been listening to Claim Us Stories. <laughs> <laughs>